Welcome to another edition of No Block Sports. I'm your host, Jason Green, and it is episode 59. We're almost at episode 60, and just like all the other 58 episodes, we have so much to get to. I mean, there's going to be a What's On My Mind segment that I'm about to get to. Those are back. Obviously, the NBA playoffs are going on. Just like give a little schedule of what's going on. I'm trying to do episodes after every series. Like, like So the first round's about to end, second round starts tomorrow. That's why I'm going to be hitting an episode. So it's really going to take every two weeks this time. Maybe I'll hop on in between series. It's always just a little weird because when there's like only a couple of series going on, I guess I can do biggest takeaways, but I like to do things in a whole because I don't like to, you know, dig too deep into something. When series are a long game of adjustments, they're a long game. I never take game one too seriously. The hardest thing to do is game one and then to close out someone. So I usually like to wait till all that goes through. But I'm going to break down all my first round predictions and what I saw in the series and what's going to bring that to the second round of the players. But first, I'm going to tell you what's on my mind. And it's another why I love the NBA rant. <clears throat> okay, so... <clears throat> If you've been listening to my show, I don't think this is my first why I love the NBA rant. I think this might be my fourth or fifth. But once again, in the last five days, I've been amazed by the NBA. In the last five days, I saw Damian Lillard put up 55 points in Denver and single-handedly lead or single-handedly attempt to lead his team to a victory in a very hard place to play. Denver does not lose at home very often. He had 12 threes in the NBA, which tied an NBA playoff record, by the way. He also had the most threes in a series. He was not victorious in a series. Luka Doncic dropped a almost 40-point triple-double. I think he had 45 points in a Game 5 win against the Clippers, which is the first series since the Western Conference semifinals in 1994 that a road that a home team has not won the game in the series. I think it's 1994-1995. Someone's going to have to fact-check me on that. And Devin Booker last night dropped a playoff high 43 points hit six threes in the first quarter michael board jr also hit six threes in the first quarter in a game six closeout win to knock out the defending champ champion lakers first team that defending the title to get knocked out in the first round since 2012 when the dallas mavericks got knocked out by the oklahoma city thunder so that was just in the last five days I'm just going to keep going and ranting about how good these playoffs have been. We're going to talk about Trey Young in New York, how Trey Young is the newest villain in New York, bowing and all that stuff. And the fans have been unbelievable, but also terrible because that's always a little side effect that we have. I mean, I'm going to get to the Julius Randle stuff later, but Trey Young taking a bow at Madison Square Garden. I'm seeing Jason Tatum. I tweeted out how it took 50 points for the the Celtics to beat the Wizards. It took 50. I tweeted out how many is it going to take for the Celtics to take one game? The answer was 50. In game three, he was simply unstoppable. It took 50, and next thing you know, they lose the next two. Danny Ainge is out of president of basketball operations, and Brad Stevens is now in, and now they're needing a new head coach. I mean, it is unbelievable. You saw Donovan Mitchell in one game. The game one, he gets hurt. The greatest take one game. He comes back. They simply win the rest of the series, and he was absolutely spectacular. You saw Ja Morant drop 40-plus points in a game three at home, trying to keep his team in the series. And you saw LeBron James for the first time in your life since 2010 
not make it to the second round of the playoffs. We obviously didn't make the playoffs one year, but if, if he made the playoffs since 2010, did not make it. And the Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul got their first playoff series win since 2010. The NBA is simply amazing. They say that the slogan of the NBA is where amazing happens. And it's absolutely true. Here's something that I thought about the other day with all this great talent going on. I just gave you a bunch of young players. Luka, D-Book, Trey Young, Luke, um, Tatum. I mean, I got Simmons dropping a, a triple-double to end the series. He's going to be the, should be Defensive Player of the Year award. These are all just the young guys. None of those guys are top 10 players in the NBA yet. They're very close. Oh, besides Luka, sorry. Luka's a top 10 player, and I'm about to get to that. But otherwise, that, they're not. They're in that... 15 to 30 range right now. Here are my top 10 players in the NBA right now. Okay. And this is how absurd the NBA is. And this is what I'm getting. This is why I think it's so amazing. I got LeBron at one. Now I know he just lost the series and I know he wasn't 100%. I know he wasn't 100% healthy. We're going to have to wait till the rest of the playoffs. So LeBron might not be the best player in the world. And that's a conversation for a different day. But right now, LeBron James is still the best player in the world to me. Got LeBron at one. Got Kevin Durant at two. Kawhi at three. Steph at four. Giannis at 5, Harden at 6, Luka at 7, Embiid and Jokic are 8 and 9. They're like basically the same. One's going to be MVP, one's a little better on um, the defensive side of the ball, one's a little better on the offensive side of the ball. They're, both are exceptional. Embiid are 8 and 9. That, this is how crazy. This is, why I got, this is why I was thinking about this. Damian Lillard and Anthony Davis, one of those two, is not a top 10 player in the NBA. Think about that. Damian Lillard just dropped 55 points. He just had the record for the most threes in the series. Anthony Davis has the third highest PER in NBA history. Yes, this was not AD's best year. If you want to put AD at 11, I don't blame you. AD also has been dinged up this year, and that's fine. But AD, in the last five years before this, has been considered a top eight player in the NBA. Some consider him a top five, the best big man in the game. And now he's the 11th best player in the NBA. One of the best two-way players in the game. Guys, third in the career in PR behind LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Or I guess Michael Jordan's one, LeBron James is two, sorry. That is how good the NBA is. And it doesn't even, I didn't even mention, you know, in that 11, all the young guys. I didn't even mention Chris Paul. I'd probably put Chris Paul 12th. And once again, Chris Paul is going to probably be third in MVP voting or fourth. I don't know. The NBA is simply awesome. It is simply awesome. And you're only going to get more. I mean, I'm about to go through my first round predictions of what I did wrong. Uh, the Clippers and um, Mavs are once again in an exceptional series. The Lakers and Suns was an exceptional series. Even the Jazz and Grizzlies, which I guarantee you no one cared about. If you really watch the games, it was intense. It was, it was a battle on both sides of the ball. You had the Young Bucks, the second youngest team in the NBA, and the Memphis Grizzlies going against a team that hasn't proven anything. It's always been good, but really no one even thinks has a chance to win it all in the Jazz, trying to also prove themselves. I mean, the Hawks-Knicks were two teams that are they are both really good both end of the year, but they made the series so intense. Playoff basketball fans is just so intense, and it's so awesome. And everything about it is just amazing, except the refs sometimes. But everything about it is simply awesome. And I just had to come up here and today and give another rant of how much I love the NBA because I see things every single week. They say the same thing about baseball. Say baseball is great because every time someone has a statistic that you just don't see every day. Well, every single time I watch the NBA, and I'm going to give it a three-day span, I see 
three things that, you know what, I'm just like, I don't see that anywhere else. I don't see a Damian Lillard drop 55 points one day and Luka triple-double, 40-point triple-double the next day, and then Devin Booker hitting six threes and then knocking out the defending champions with 43 points. That thing right there from Devin Booker, there's always a game in your life, and I hope he continues on this path in the next round. There's always a game in your life where you look back on and you say, that was Devin, there's there's being a star and there's a superstar. That was superstar stuff from Devin Booker. That was the type of game where Devin Booker's a top 20 player. You get him to a top 15 player. Seriously. That was superstar stuff. Every time the Lakers came back, and I'm going to get to this. Every time the Lakers came back, he was there with a tough shot. But I'm going to stop about that and just say once again, the NBA is where amazing happens. Is Every year, they have the best product on the floor. I don't care what anyone says about the fouls and the complaining. If you want high-level, just skilled basketball, high-level, just skill of people at their best going at others, the NBA is the place for you, and I guarantee you, you'll like it if you watch it. And that is what's on my mind. All right, so actually the first round series is all over, except for the Clippers and Mavs, and I'll get to that, who I think that series is going to end after. So let's see how I did in my first round predictions. You know, I'm always about transparency and telling you what I did wrong and what I did right. How many series did I get exactly right? How many series did I get wrong? So let's go with the first one. Let's go Sixers versus Wizards. Ding, ding, ding. First one was completely correct. I had the Sixers in five. What I didn't see coming was Joel Embiid getting hurt and the Sixers having to close it out at home because of that. Truth is, if Embiid didn't get hurt, this series would have been over in four. Um, and just the takeaways from the series, I don't think there's a lot to take away. Russell Westbrook, once again, just is not an efficient shooter. That's what you take away. And that's not anything new. It's not anything I didn't know and not anything any casual NBA player didn't know. But the triple doubles are great, right? If you can't fix the jump shot and you're not a threat offensively to score the ball when it matters and you're just chucking up shots, right? You're wasting possessions. You can do a lot of great things. He's a great defender. He's a hustle guy. No one goes harder. But you're wasting a lot of possessions taking those pull-up bank jump shots. That just They look ugly. I'm telling you, they look real ugly. Um, Bradley Beal gave it all he got. I kind of like, listen, uh, I'm a Sixers fan, so I'm going to put it in this perspective. Um, I kind of like where the Wizards are going. Um, they kind of, the young talent kind of sparked up a little bit. Listen, they really haven't, Thomas Bryant has just been hurt all year, but Daniel Gafford really came in to replace and looked really good. Um, they had hustle, they had effort, they had energy. I liked everything about what Scott Brooks was doing there. I don't know if he'll be back. I don't. I had him as the 8th seed to begin the year anyway. I don't know how far people had him going. They ended the year really well. They're clearly not title contenders. They're clearly having this big-ass salary cap with Russell Westbrook and the Riley Bill, both on Max Dills and Davis Breton, which just not going anywhere. So I don't know where they're going to go from here. But the truth is, they hustled. They gave effort out there. They were doubling MB. They were doing their best. Bradley Bill, it looks like he was having fun out there. It looks like he liked playing with Russell Westbrook. Bradley Beal, uh, GM Tommy Shepard said, they have a bunch of picks, by the way, too, that they've acquired. Um, Tommy Shepard um, said that he uh, he thinks Bradley Beal told him, he doesn't think Bradley Beal told him he wants to stay, and that's great for the NBA. I'm telling you, every single team, like the Lakers who are now eliminated, or if the Sixers, they don't get far enough, or like like the Knicks are going to be after Bradley Beal. And the, the Heat and all these Eastern Conference teams that just got eliminated. They're going to be after Bradley Bill to go get him. So it's it's decision time for the Wizards. You want to keep making the 18 every single year around that area, barely making the playoffs, or do you want to go full-fledged rebuild, which they kind of went half when they traded John Wall and got all those picks. Um, so actually, I think they got rid of him. 
Actually, I think they acquired a bunch of picks and then got rid of them for the Russell Westbrook. So actually, it might be time just to go full-fledged rebound. But otherwise, for the Sixers, they move on to play the Hawks. I'll get to that series in a bit. But um, just the takeaways from this series, uh, I was a big Tyrese Maxey fan at the draft. I called him CJ McCollum. That's what we reminded of. Um, when I used to work for my former employer, I act like Colin Coward. When I used to work for my former employer. I wrote an article of who the Sixers should draft for the first-round pick. I said if Maxey was there, he's the pick. He's the best fit for this team. His off-the-ball movement for the NBA is exceptional. He's got great speed and great finishing at the rim with great touch. I love everything about Tyrese Maxey. I like to pat myself on the back sometimes. I wish I could pull up that article right now. But he was a great um, spot because Shake Milton sometimes the Sixers struggle to score an offense and Shake Milton's struggling right you're gonna have to bring in the next guy Tyrus Maxey what he did I like his ability to be able to do that and it's going to help for a team like the Hawks who like to play fast and he can get some easy buckets and then maybe get your offense going so but Sixers and five nailed it right on the head good job Jason second series I said Nets versus Celtics bang 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 once again I said Nets in five um did I think it would take Jason Tatum 50 to score I actually did because once again I tweeted out Something like that where I said um, that um, I tweeted out saying how much would it take. And I thought it'd be, everyone was saying 50, and I was probably thinking the same thing. So there's not much to take away from this series. There isn't. The Nets were simply a better team, and they took care of business. Um, Boston obviously is now doing a lot of things. Listen, Danny Ainge is out, probably not retiring, might go to Utah. Um, Brad Stevens is now the president of basketball operations, or the GM. Um, where do they go with the head coach? Jason Tatum wants Evan Turner. Uh, apparently, Jason Kidd. Oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about this real quick. Apparently, Jason Kidd and Lloyd Pierce are the two options. Well, I don't know how Lloyd Pierce bet is as a head coach. I know he didn't have success with the Hawks, and once he dipped, they got better. I know Jason Kidd was terrible with the Nets, and I know he was terrible with the Bucks because once he left, they got better. Jason Kidd is the worst head coaching candidate I have ever seen. He sucked in two places. If I'm the Hawk, oh, sorry. Um, who are we talking? If I'm the Celtics, do not bring in Jason Kidd. Do not even think about it. The Brad Stevens hire was great. Go be smart. Go be intelligent. Go find someone like that. Okay? Lloyd Pierce, I can't say much about. Bogdanovich was her, and he's really helped their team when he came back. So, But the Celtics have a lot to go through now. It's a big offseason for the Celtics. It's a big. I mean, you're, you're Tatum, Brown, Kembo, simply not good enough to get you as far. The Nets got ahead of you, the Bucks got ahead of you, the Sixers got ahead of you much quicker than you probably thought. So I'm not thinking Kemba's back with the Celtics and they, they go Jalen Brown and Tatum with more perimeter shooting. But we'll see how it goes. They might have to trade Jalen Brown too to get some get a third a real a a better veteran legit guy for Jason Tatum. We'll see. I don't condone that, but we'll see. Alright, Bucks versus Heat. I had the winner in the series, so I'm three for three in winners, but I'd set in six. Um I'm shocked. Man, I'm shocked. After that game one performance too, 109, 107, I understand because the Heat didn't even play well in game one. Yeah, they had 23s, but they shot an atrocious percentage from the field. Um, Jimmy Butler was terrible. Um, 13, I think he averaged like 13, 10, and 10, shooting 37% from the field. Here's what I'm saying on this. Everyone's like, why is Jimmy Butler getting no slander? It is what it is. What you did, what Jimmy Butler did last year, you can get, I don't want to say a pass, but it's not like they didn't lose to a better team, right? If you were just being honest with yourself, I said this. There's a difference between playing the Bucks and the Bubble. This is where the Bubble made a difference. There's a difference between playing the Bucks and the Bubble with no home court advantage. And if you get hot from three, you're ga- it's easier to gain momentum getting hot from three in the Bubble than it is on a home and away series. It is. It simply is. And now the, the Heat could just never get it going. They, kind of, they showed some fight in game four, but they just could never get it going. And it's just what happens. 
Jimmy Butler was not the only player not to play well. That's the truth. You you can say Jimmy Butler's the best player on the team. He is. You say Jimmy Butler's a top 15 player in the NBA. He is. But the truth is, Bam Adebayo was terrible, except for the last two games. Duncan Robinson had a great game one. Couldn't put the ball in the basket after that. Tyler Hero was terrible after that. I only saw Kendrick Nunn playing well. And Dwayne Dedman. The Heat are still deep. They have a lot of pieces. It's a big offseason for the Heat. Once again, Oladipo didn't work out. It's okay. They could probably bring him back and see how far they can go with him. They could also do Oladipo, Nunn, Precious Achua, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, bunch of picks, and package something for a superstar like a Dame Lillard, who I'll get to later, or like a Bradley Beal, <clears throat> or maybe CJ Collum. Like, I don't know, but the point goes with CJ McCollum. It's not Dame. You know what I mean? Like, you have a lot of options. They have a lot of options. They got a lot of good young pieces, commodities that people in the... I'm telling you, you throw Tyler here out there and Duncan Robinson out there to get a third star, teams will bite on it and want it. So the Heat have a lot of options. Otherwise, the Bucks, they took care of business. They were much better than I thought. Dante DiVincenzo injury is big, and I'll get to that in a second, because it, it kills their depth, which is why they're so great. Also, yeah, we're just 11, 10, 5, and 4 this, 10, 5, and 3 this year. Very underrated player. Um, so... I was shocked. I wasn't shocked that the Bucks won. I, I said in, when, in the last episode, I said, listen, this isn't the bubble anymore. You got to play the Bucks in Milwaukee, and it's not going to be easy. I thought it'd be a little more competitive in six, um, but Bucks in four. Credit to them, and they got good need to rest for this net series. All right, last one. First series prediction I was wrong in, and that was the Knicks in seven. I think sometimes in a one-game scenario, I would have been right on this one. It's like the Super Bowl. When you have a team that is so good defensively, better sometimes they just end up winning. It just happened to Super Bowl. But I swear the Knicks weren't this bad on offense when I was watching them. Either that or the Hawks are just much better on defense than I thought. And I miscalculated the Hawks. And I can thoroughly admit that's probably the case. How good is Trey Young? I mean, he's unbelievable. I said in the tweet, I said, I don't think Trey Young can ever be as good as Steph Curry was in his prime. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, you're talking about being a unanimous MVP. Um, but what I do think is that Trey Young right now is a better player than Steph Curry was, one. And two, he's also a better passer than Steph Curry probably ever was. I mean, his court vision and his ability, not the ability to draw double teams or like the gravity, they would call it, is not the same. But his ability to break down, he's got a better handle, a little bit. But I don't want to say, I, actually, I don't think he's a better handle. He's probably a little worse handle, but he's a little quicker then he was. Steph Curry was a little bigger and better at using his body. Trey Young's very good at using his body to draw foul. Steph Curry's going to use his body for finishing. Um, but the way he's been able to just to see the court at his height is unbelievable. Uh, here's, here's what lost seriously next. It was game one. I was watching it. And R.J. Barrett with the tip. Goes right to Bogdanovich. 1-3, 1-1. Shot clock cheese, as Chris Muth always said. And bang, it went in. That was the game. Because there was like 40 seconds left. The Knicks would have had the ball. All momentum. And next thing you know, the Knicks is shot. And Trey Young hits that clutch game one. I'm telling you, I say about star to superstar stuff like Devin Booker. That was star to superstar stuff right there. In the road. Game one. In the garden. First playoff game there in 10 years. And what do you do? You shut it down immediately. You quiet the crowd. And I love Trey Young. I actually love Trey Young way more than I did in the series. I love the intensity in the trash talk. He's like, I'll see you in the A. And what did he do in the A? He backed it up and he won both games. And then what did they say? What, the, what did the Hawks say going back? It's like, we're going to end this in five. And what did they do? They ended it in five. Beat him in MSG two out of three. Saw him in the A. Beat him both times. I'll get with the I'll get to the Sixers Hawks series later because obviously a lot of things have changed since what originally what we thought would be like. But I love everything about the Hawks for the Knicks perspective. 
Um, Julius Randle, and this is not anything I'm not saying or anything else that I'm saying. This is sorry, people are saying. is not a one option to win a championship. Fine. We knew that. Now it's looking like he's not a number two option. Fine. But I'm going to tell you what he is. And I'm going to get a little 30-second rant about this. Um, he can play that Draymond Green role. This is the new role in the NBA that I think everyone has to have to win a championship. You need that Draymond Green role. Someone that does everything. I mean everything. So the Nets have James Harden, 25, 8, and 11. The Sixers have Ben Simmons, 15, 10, and 10 Defensive Player of the Year. Or for 1588 defensive player of the year. The Bucks have Giannis, 27, 13, 6, former defensive player of the year. The Heat have Bam out of bio, Jimmy Butler, people that can do everything. The Lakers have LeBron. The difference between the teams that have chances to win the championship and don't is they don't have that. Right? The Suns have Chris Paul. Right? He can do everything. Right? Play first team all defense, can get buckets for you, can assist, can run the team. Now is he the, the rebounder? No. Right, he doesn't fit that mold perfectly. The Jazz have played with a team game, right? The Jazz play in the team. They're the only one that plays in the straight team game that I've seen, right? Everyone can do everything, right? Yes, some people have specific skills, but really everyone can do everything. They move the ball so well, everyone get there and rebound. They have multiple ball handlers, facilitators. Um, the Jokic is that player for the Nuggets. Every team needs that nowadays. That is the truth. There's one team that doesn't have that, which is why I think they struggle to get over the hump every single year. I'm sorry, the Mavericks have that, Luka Doncic. And that's the Clippers, right? And I'll get to that in a second, but this, the reason why they just don't have that guy that can do everything. Where Kawhi Leonard's so great. Now, there is, he's not a very good passer. Same thing with Paul George. That's why, I mean, I'm going to say it again. I'm, I, I want to say this Clippers talk for a little bit, but. The reason why they, they haven't been able to win in any big games is because they ISO basketball. But I'm getting a little off topic here. The truth is that Joyce Randall's in that Draymond Green role, that third or fourth option, right? The Sixers have Joel Embiid 1, Tobias Harris 2, Ben Simmons in that third role. The Draymond Green role, Steph Curry 1, Klay Thompson 2, Draymond Green will do everything. Do all the dirty work. Do everything around them. There's perfect fits. Like Ben Simmons is the perfect Draymond Green player, right? And then there's like your better, better Draymond Greens and your Giannis's and your Jokic's and your Jimmy Butler's. And Bam out of Bio, Prime Draymond Green were on the same level. So, at, in their peaks. Actually, that might be a little disrespectful to Draymond Green. Draymond Green's probably much, much better and more valuable. I take that back. I don't want any, come, anyone coming at me at the time. So, but the Knicks is a big offseason. They've proven they can win. They've proven the Tom Dillard is a good coach and people are going to play with them. Once again, Kawhi Leonard losing the first round. Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard. These guys might be more available than you think. The Knicks have young pieces. Commodities bring over Obi Toppin, RJ Barrett. I mean, I don't think Kevin Knox has any value, but picks, you know what I mean? To go get a third star or a second star, not only here, but also in free agency possible, teams will look to bring to the Knicks. But listen, they gave effort. You know, that team was all hard and hustle. And I'm going to call it Spike Lee real quick. Don't ever leave. If you call yourself the greatest New York Knicks fan in the world, do not even think about leaving. Don't even think about leaving. Five minutes left in the game. I don't even care that LeBron did that. It's not the same. He gives his heart, sweat, and tears out there on the court. It's not the same thing. Don't do that, Spike Lee. You want the best Nick fan in the world? Give him a standing ovation to a team that you root for the entire year. You went to every single game. Give him a standing ovation and do that. It's a shame on you, Spike Lee. All right, so that's the Eastern Conference first-round predictions overview. On to the West next. All right, the Western Conference. I went three for four in the East. Can I do the same in the West? First, I had Jazz in four against the Grizzlies. 
Um, no, I was close. I think Donovan Mitchell played. I, I'm pretty sure I said Donovan Mitchell was going to play. I thought he was going to play. Everyone thought he was going to play. I think they win game one with Donovan Mitchell. I think I would have been right head on. But sadly, no, I wasn't. Um, Jazz went in five. Uh, there's really not much to this series. I said, I tweeted before when John Morant beat the uh when the Grizzlies beat the Warriors, I said, anything that happens after this is just bonus for John Morant and the Grizzlies because they got over the first hump. Last year, they lost in the playing game. This year, they won in the playing game. And John Morant is one of those players who's a star who is close. He's closer than you think to becoming a superstar. It takes a while. I'm going to go a year or two away. But they're the youngest team, in the second youngest team in the NBA. Man, Dylan Brooks is great. Jaron Jackson, you're in an injured real season. Jonas Valanciunas always shows some promise. Grayson Allen looks good. I mean, Desmond Bain. What they have done there, because no free agent's going to want to go to the Grizzlies. It's the same way the other, the rise and grind Grizzlies. You got to build. You, you just got to build. It's tough, man, I know. But they're looking like they got a chance with so much young talent. John Moran, Dylan Brooks. I mean... And Grayson Allen and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Valanciunas and Desmond Bain. And I wish them, I hope there's a day where I see them in that same scenario where they're four or five seed. Because if we're being honest, I doubt they ever win a championship. But in the four or five seed where it's just, it, they're just always a tough out and you want to root for them. And I'm not a Grizzlies fan, but I will root for the Grizzlies anytime I watch them because I'm a big John Morant guy. As for the Jazz, they took care of business like they should. Not much else to get to. Everyone was great in the series, especially Donovan Mitchell. Absolutely spectacular. All right. Um, Suns versus Lakers. I had the Lakers in six. Obviously, I was wrong. First time LeBron James ever lost the first round playoff series. I didn't pick it just because of that. The truth is, and I hate being this guy to make excuses for LeBron because I am a huge LeBron fan and I will defend LeBron any day of the week. Here are the shooting numbers for the Lakers, not named LeBron and AD, Anthony Davis. Dennis Schroeder shot 40%, 30.8% from three. Kyle Kuzma shot 29%. 17% from three. Alex Cruz shot 37% from the field, 29% from three. Wesley Matthews shot 30% from the field, 28% from three. Contavious Caldwell-Pope shot 38% from the field, 21% from three. Town Howard Tucker, 46% from the field, but also 20% from three. Markeith Morris, 22% from the field, 25% from three. And Ben McLemore, 22% from the field, 33% from three. Um, that's not good. It's 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 not gonna win. Um, when the late I said this, I think I said this in the series last time. When the Lakers beat the Heat in the NBA Finals, the two games the Heat won because the Lakers shot abysmal from the field and couldn't hit shots. The Lakers could hit shots. They were clearly the best defensive team in the NBA. And they had LeBron and AD. You had the two best players on the floor, and that's what got you past everyone. That's the truth. That's when the league was duos, and now it's not anymore. It's back to trios. It's it, or it's 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 looking like it, right? So, listen, LeBron's not getting any younger, and I can go do a whole deep dive about the Lakers. LeBron's not getting any younger. LeBron wasn't great. Let's say this also. This is not LeBron James's best series. Twenty three eight and eight was not his best series, but twenty three eight and eight, I think, shot forty six percent from the field and around thirty six percent from three is not terrible. Let's not act like he was awful in the series. He wasn't great. He wasn't LeBron, like we remember. And everyone thought he was going to go 2018 Cavs on us. But sometimes you need other help. You need some kind of help. He didn't get it. And with AD out, the Laker, LeBron, is, uh, LeBron has somehow, maybe it's just the way he plays and how good he is and just his style of play, has failed to be able to, you know how he's the king, right? 
He's, he can't find his prince. He can find his prince in a, in a three-year span, right? But he has yet to find his prince to, like, when he gets old, right, who's going to take over the kingdom for him and help out, right? AD just doesn't seem like he's the guy. He can't stay healthy. Kyrie Irving didn't want to be the guy. Dwayne Wade was the guy, but that was both in their primes. And then he also got injured and old. He hasn't been able to find that. And I, I don't... The Lakers are going to look at this. I'm telling you, they're going to look at this. The Lakers team is going to look a lot different next year. They're going to look a lot different next year. Because every year they get a lot of minimum contracts anyway. But I'm telling you, they're going to look a lot different. As for the Suns, congratulations once again. That was awesome. Um, I didn't really like how they ended this. I don't want to be the guy to get off my lawn. I love how Devin Booker was talking trash. I love how Jay Carter was talking trash. To get all those tees at the end... I, I didn't love that. I mean, I just wait for the end of the game, talk a little trash. Don't need the salsa dance on them. Um, I mean, like, act like you've been there before, I think people will say. But I, I do love the trash-talking aspect that this entire series had. It was great. Um, LeBron walked off the court and shaking it with his hands. I think Skip does have something to say about that. Once again, I don't care. No one cares. He gave his heart out on the floor. I don't care when Tom Brady didn't do it. I don't care when LeBron James didn't do it. Um, he obviously went to go see D-Book in the locker room where D-Book went to go see him and he gave him a signed Lakers jersey and told him to be great. Obviously, there's no animosity and all that. He's just pissed that they lost. But yeah, Suns, congratulations. And you got a great series against the Nuggets. I like the Suns team a lot. I, th- I think I said there was a lot of value in the Suns making the championship because if they could somehow beat the Lakers, then they're because va- no one had them winning the series, their value is really high. So it is, it is what it is. So... Congratulations um, to the Suns. Um, all right, next series. Uh, Nuggets versus Trailblazers. Um, I had the Nuggets in seven. They won in six. I thought everyone thought it was going to be a seven-game series. Listen, I was. I think people were shocked that the Trailblazers lost that game six last night. And the MVP, Jokic, was simply amazing. Uh, I think he averaged like 36, 8, and 5, shooting 54% from the field and 40% from three. He was simply unbelievable once again. Michael Porter Jr. made a lot of good shots. Um and so that was great um everything about him was fantastic um dame just just wasn't enough he wasn't great in the last game it happens he was so great in game five i'm giving him a pass in game six can't be that great two nights in a row it's just not possible um so he creeped but here's what we gotta talk about he had a cryptic ig message uh saying about nipsey how long uh, it's like a quote how long can i stay loyal like the dedication and all that every year dame listed i want to stay in portland you know, you know, we say, you know, we say Dame time might be running out a little bit. Um, I don't know what the Portland's going to do. They tried, man. They, I thought they were the best offseason. Derek Jones, Robert Covington, they had young guys in Simons, Gary Trent. They got Norman Powell coming in. Um, they signed Ennis Canner, good depth. Like, they were legit eight deep to me. And once again, they got the sixth seed. And that's where I had them. That's the funny thing. That's where I had them. But I think the Blazers organization expected more. I don't think they expected the Mavericks to be better than them, or you know maybe the Jazz that continue to get take that huge stride and they can't take that huge stride. Um, same thing with the Suns taking that huge stride and they haven't been able to. Uh, injuries were once again big this year, but is this it? I'm telling you, I keep saying it. There's going to be a team in New York calling. I'm telling you, if the Sixers don't beat the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals, or the Sixers lose to the series against the Hawks, I'm telling you, they're going to be calling Portland for Damian Lillard. So. I mean, it is what it is. I always enjoy watching Portland. It's tough to watch. Also, Nurkic said he might not be back, whatever the situation this is. I doubt Terry Stotts is back. So a lot of changes about to be coming. 
and uh, and Rep City. All right, um, I got the series right, just not in the set of games. And last but not least, series I haven't gotten wrong yet, but not in the games. I had Clippers in five. I am shocked by how the Mavericks came. This series is so weird. Since 1994, no team has won a home game. Since the 1994 West Conference semifinals, the Rockets and the Jazz, I want to say. It's the Rockets and someone. And um, I can't like, I can't believe what I'm like watching sometimes. I mean, the Clippers should then win tonight, right? And obviously when you're going to listen to this, I'm going to post this the next day. So game six would already be over. So I guess I'm going to give them the end of my prediction. I think Dallas gets it done. And you can listen to this the next day, and I might be right, and I might be wrong. In a scenario where the, where the Clippers somehow once again win on the road in Dallas, I think they win Game 7. I cannot see them losing four games in L.A. And if that's the case, Steve Ballmer, don't bring him back to the Staples Center. Go move to the Inglewood Stadium. Ramp it up immediately. All right? Ramp it up immediately. So, But what am I seeing from the series? Listen, it's an up and down. Listen, it's the three-point shooting. It's simply that simple. Kawhi Leonard's been great. Even Paul George has been pretty good. Reggie Jackson at times has been great. I'm telling you what's killing the Clippers every single time. Okay? Here's the truth. Yes. Do the Mavs play ISO basketball at the end of the game with Luka? But Luka is looking to pass. He's looking for a shot first. Don't get me wrong. But his eyes are always open. His court vision is better. I say that's the biggest flaw for Paul George Kawhi Leonard. And I said that's why they were going to win the NBA championship last year. They play too much ISO basketball. It's okay if you play ISO basketball when your best player that has the ball has also the court vision to find open people for threes. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have never been like that. They have never been like that. And the truth is, that's why Toronto was great for Kawhi, because I think it gave him that more pass-first system where he had to do that. Same with the Spurs. It's just not like that with the Clippers for some reason. And they have been able to go home because they've not been good in the clutch. They've been the worst team in the clutch. I think they were the worst team in the clutch in the regular season this year. They were terrible in the clutch last year. And I guess this Clippers team isn't good, went ahead. They couldn't close out a 3-1 lead. Um, up, down, sorry, blow, lose for every single game to Stable Center. So I guess maybe they will win tonight. I'm going to go and I'm gonna go on the limb and say the Mavericks win tonight. But when I give my prediction for the Jazz series, I'll do it for both. But if the Mavericks don't win tonight, there's no way the Clippers lose another game at home. But that is my, the Western Conference overview. So right now, if anyone's counting at home, I... Um, six of seven with the Clippers Mavs series to go. So maybe, uh, oh, sorry. No, I'm five of seven with the Clippers Mavs series to go. So six of eight, 79% won't be too bad. I take that every single series. And that was my entire first round predictions overview. All right, finally, I'm getting to the second round. Maybe people are complaining I haven't gotten there. There's a lot to get to in the first round. This is what happens when I don't do an episode in two weeks. I got a lot to go over. So maybe I'll, next week I'll do an episode like cutting it in half. Like after each game goes through three games, I'll give my take on it. But um, all right, so here we go. Second round playoff predictions. First game, Sixers versus Hawks. Okay, here's the biggest question. I haven't brought this up yet. Do the Sixers bring back Embiid? Fun fact, the Sixers are 3-1 and one in the playoffs without Embiid in his career. All of them have been in the first round. Um, and we all saw what happened last night, right, with Anthony Davis. He tried to give it a go, couldn't. If the Sixers truly believe that they can win a championship in the next two years, and they like the way the team is constructed, they don't bring Embiid back. As a Sixers fan, I can't, I can't watch Embiid go down again, and I know it's going to be a torn MCL, ACL, meniscus, where he's basically out for maybe some time in the next year as well. And it's big because the Sixers, unless something catastrophic happens, 
will not be better than the Nets next year or the Bucks once again, in my opinion. The Sixers are one of those teams that needs the one seed. They need the home court. If Embiid is out, if Embiid is out, don't even think about getting the one seed. You're not going to get it. That's the truth. You're not going to get the one seed. So not only does it ruin your playoff run this year, it will probably ruin your uh, regular season run next year, which will ultimately end your playoff run the year after. It's a small tear, and I don't know how long it takes. I've never torn my knee. Um, I do know he has to run up and down every single possession. I do know he's not going to be 100%. I don't do it. I don't risk the future. I, I can't. I can't. I can't watch that again. And I'm being. that's what I'm telling everyone. And I, it's going to suck because you're going to think they can win a championship this year. And I get it. I think the Sixers have a chance to win a championship this year. And I've been waiting for a Sixers championship my entire life. But I'm telling you, it's not worth it. It's not worth it if you think there's something in the future, which I think they do. But otherwise, now let's get to the actual series. I said I uh, I miscalculated the Hawks. Man, they are legit. 33-13 and 13 since Nate McMillan took over. I wish the NBA coach of the year was sometimes after the playoffs because he would win it. I mean, the 29-12 in regular season run, that's a 58-win pace. That's one-seed stuff. I mean, that's legit one-seed material. Um, the 33-13 includes the playoffs, the 4-1 against the Knicks. Listen, Ben Simmons will once again have to be great. Ben Simmons in his four games without drawing being in the playoffs have just 22.8 points per game, 10.5 assists, and 8 rebounds in four games. That's exceptional, by the way. Plus, he plays first-team on defense. Um, he will be on Trey Young the entire series. Or they'll switch on. They're going to throw multiple guys at Trey Young. Matisse, um, Danny Green, Ben Simmons. you got to make life difficult. He is the head of the snake. Right, you cut him off, right? Have him shooting bad. You have a chance to win every single game. If he gets hot, you got to start doubling him. He has the court vision to find a Bogdanovich, a Danil Gallinari, a Kevin Herter, uh, a DeAndre Hunter who can just knock down threes. Um, actually, another question that I just thought of: Do if Embiid can't go, right? Looks like he won't go. Do they play Simmons at the five and go small and Capella? Because I think Ben Simmons could straight up guard Capella. Uh, they're not going to run plays for him, and they're a pick and roll. And I would you be comfortable with Danny Green switching on him? You know what I mean? So I kind of think the Sixers should continue with the five and start Thibault because then you could put Thibault and Trey Young, a bigger defender. That's going to be interesting. I wonder how Doc Rivers is going to go with that. But that's personally what I do. Um, if no one beat plays in the entire series, still, I told you, the Sixers are still— there's a reason the Sixers were the one seed. I get it. They wouldn't have, I said I went this whole round, they wouldn't be the one seed without him beat. But they went 9-9 without him this year. Tobias Harris is going to have to put up around 25 points per game. Ben Simmons is going to have to do what he does. You have enough depth. You have Seth Curry, Danny Green. I mean, Dwight Howard's been great. Maxie, Shake Milton. Um, I mean, Thibault. You got a lot of first-team all defenders. You got a lot of shooters around Ben Simmons. You're going to play fast. I love Ben Simmons this series because the Hawks want to play fast. Now, Ben Simmons is going to be legit going to play fast. I think you see an excellent Ben Simmons series. I'm going to go the Sixers in seven. I, I wouldn't be shocked if... Um, if this went a different way, and the Sixers actually adjusted to the Hawks more than people think, but um, with just they're just much better because like the Knicks couldn't hit a shot. That's not going to happen with the Sixers. Um, so I like the Sixers in seven for the series. All right, Nets versus Bucks. I mean, this is the series upon all series. This will be might be the greatest second round matchup we've seen since the Sixers Toronto Raptors series a couple years ago. Um, so you got the trifectas. You got KD, Harden, and Kyrie, and you got Giannis, Drew, and Middleton. 
Um, the one side, Katie Harden Kyrie, might be the greatest offensive trio we have ever seen, while Giannis Drew and Middleton might be the greatest defensive trio we've seen since Rodman, Jordan, and um, Rodman, Jordan, and uh, Pippen. So, I mean, Giannis and Drew, first all-team defenders. Giannis is defensive player of the year. Drew Holiday, you can ask anyone, might be the best defender, guard defender in the NBA. And I couldn't find if Middleton, apparently hasn't made an all-defensive team, but I've never seen anyone say anything bad about Chris Middleton's defense. I always thought he was like a third-team, second-team all-NBA defender. Um, all great, excellent two-way players. Um, the Nets are going to go small on you. They're going to go small. That's why you got P.J. Tucker to go small with. Um, the DiVincenzo injury is going to be a little bad because this is another shooter they took off. Uh, you're not going to see a lot of Brooke Lopez in this series. I guarantee you they're just going to switch pick and roll Brooke Lopez every single day, and they're just going to go at him. Uh, you're going to see a scenario where P.J. Tucker starts a game in this series, and it won't shock me if Mike Boonehoser just says it immediately and goes to it early and only puts Brooke Lopez in when Claxton's in. But um, listen, both teams are extremely deep. Um, Brent Forbes was awesome in that series against the Heat. Hopefully he can keep it going. Um, Giannis is going to be able to get downhill consistently. Giannis struggled a little bit shooting in the series, but there's not as much um, – size or strength on the nets with kd um they don't so i wonder i mean is kd gonna guard him i mean it's it's interesting because Giannis dominated the nets when he played him the regular season down i think he had two 40 point games so um and they beat him the last two times i i love i love what's what could possibly go on at um for this Nets team, or sorry, for this Bucks team, but this is gonna be such a good series. It's gonna be such a chess match between Steve Nash and like who knows their adjustments at their game one. I don't take game ones that seriously. Okay, it's a it. LeBron, some people knock on LeBron for saying it's feeling out a game. It is, especially when two teams have had so much rest. Right, they're gonna come out slow. It's a filling out game. Game two is when series starts. How do you adjust? Yeah, if you can get out to a hot start in game one, it's great. You always want a one nothing lead. But game twos are legit. Same thing for the Hawks series. What's game one gonna look like with no Embiid? Are the Hawks gonna be prepared? Are they gonna see what's coming? Or can Doc Rivers pull something off of his sleeve? And then game two is where you adjust and make all the adjustments of what you didn't do right and what you did. So I'm gonna go out on a limb. I think everyone loves the Nets, and I wouldn't see why not. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Nets absolutely dominated and won this in series in five or seven. But I got a feeling the Bucks. This is their year. I like their chances. I like their size. I like how they have a better. T- it, it. This really reminds me of the Super Bowl. You got the the, the Kansas City Chiefs offense that just no one can stop. Right? It's unbelievable. And the Nets do play pretty good defense actually. But the Bucks are just a better two way team. And I strongly believe that if the Bucks lose this series, it's for one reason and one reason only. But the same reason that the Sixers might not beat them if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals versus the Nets is that the clutch shooting is not the same. You got KD and Harden and Kyrie closing you out. You got Giannis, Middleton, and um, and uh, Drew closing you out. But if you can just play some great defense and you know put a lot of pressure on these guys, I, I like it. I like the Bucks' chances. I'm gonna go Bucks and six and go out on the limb that the Bucks take this series in six. And it would be great. It would be also big for Giannis' legacy. It would be humongous for Giannis' legacy. And it would also take a huge hit on uh, what on Katie. If the Bucks won the championship, that that's a discussion for another. It would take a huge hit on Katie's legacy. And, uh, and probably take a huge thing on Harden and Kyrie's legacy. KD, maybe not so much. Obviously, depending how they play on the series. But I got Bucks in six. All right. Jazz, Jazz versus the Clippers or Mavs. I'm not going to speak too much into this. Um, if the Jazz play the Mavs, I got the Jazz in six, possibly five. I think they just spread them out and just shoot the lights out from three. The Mavs are no way going to be able to defend the Jazz's spread offense. 
If the, if the Clippers play the Jazz, I like the Jazz in seven because the Clippers are a little bit of a better defensive team with better two-way players than the Jazz. And they're a little deeper, right? And they can also go big what they want to do, which you really can't do. Like they want to play Zubach, right? They you know they want to go big and like he can guard Rudy Gobert. Then not like guard, but play with Rudy Gobert, like what he can't do. And the Mavs series where they play him out. The Mavs are just a bad matchup for the Clippers. And I thought them playing them over again would be different. And it's not. Um, so if they play the Mavs, Jazz in six. If they play the Clippers, Jazz in seven. That's all I'm going to say about that series. Um, apparently Mike Conley is also hurt. So that's big. So this series needs to keep going for the Jazz sake. Um, all right. So this is also a great series to me. Suns two, three Nuggets. So the Nuggets just beat the Blazers. The Suns to me are just a better version of the Blazers. You got your two dynamic guards of Chris Paul and Devin Booker who run the offense with a bunch of shooters in the center with multiple skills. Three and D guys, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, um, Jay Crowder on the Trailblazers. You have Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, etc. Then you got a guard who just electric offense off the bench, Cameron Payne and Fernine Simons. Um, for, I got Norm Powell. And you have a red and rumming center who likes to do multiple things with the ball and is multi-skilled, DeAndre and Yersef Nurkic. The Suns are just a better version, and they're just much better on defense. You got away with no Murray in the last season, and Composito was actually played very well in the series. But and Jokic is once again has to be exceptional. It's not going to help in this time. This little break is going to help CP3. I think he's going to get a, be close to a hundred percent. Listen, I don't think he's going to get from distance. You saw that game six; they were daring Chris Paul to shoot threes, and he couldn't make them. They weren't like off they were just close he just didn't make them maybe that's different maybe mike malone looks at that and just continues to dare chris paul to shoot if i'm mike malone i am stepping so far back on chris paul and daring him to shoot i'm stepping back and daring him to come in and i'm instantly switching and hedging it close that's where kind of like where the lakers kind of came back in the game because they started pressing the hell out of chris paul noticing this guy can't shoot from distance back off men and come in and then trap him they did the same thing with Denver Booker they kind of even though Denver Booker was high they kept forcing him to shoot from distance and then trapped him immediately you got to do that if you're the Nuggets um it's DeAndre will be a better matchup a little stronger better defender than Yersef Nurkic will be it will give Jokic a little bit of trouble and also the Denver Nuggets don't have home court I like the Suns in five in the series I actually make decently quick work of the MVP and the Nuggets so those are my second round of predictions all right Episode 59 is in the books. Listen, always like, comment, subscribe on Apple Music and Spotify. Thank you for joining me. You can always catch us on uh, Noblox Twitter, also anchor.m slash Sports. Just look up Noblox Sports on Apple or Spotify. Um, trying to bring back the blog for myself. I used to write for a blog, uh, my former employer. I'm trying to bring back the blog to bring back my predictions, like NBA mock drafts and all that kind of stuff. So be ready for those in the lookout. I'll always be between them. But otherwise that, I'll see you guys maybe in a week, two, or two for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me, and enjoy the NBA playoffs. Like, you know,